are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is unfortunately not here. He was uh, called away at the last minute here, which is a shame because we have a lot to do this week. But Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies, be mostly spoiler for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topic. This is episode 477. 477. I know. It's getting up there. And uh, Abe and I got to start planning for this 500th episode. <laughs> we have not talked about that whatsoever. Um, but this week, we have, a, we have a double episode this week, a double review show, um, where we will, and a United a UK double review show, no less, because we're talking Spencer and Belfast. Uh, yeah, so we got two reviews coming, two uh, award contenders, so they say, on the on the board. And uh, joining me to discuss both films we have from Fast Film Reviews, he's 48th in line to be the next king where anything to happen to the royal family. It's Mark Hoban. Hi, everyone. And from Movies Marcus, he was born a poor white child in a Northern Ireland family. <laughs> he remembers the day sitting on the porch with his family, singing and dancing down That's in Belfast. That's a jerk reference. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's Marcus Robinson. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm excited to uh, review these black movies. <laughs> but that's you. I, I am glad to have you both on. And yes, Marcus, I lured you into this episode by saying these are the least black movies you'll ever talk about on Out Now. There, <laughs> so I'm glad that you made the, made the effort to join us. Um, how are how are you yes. both doing this evening? I'm doing really good. I'm excited to talk. Like you said, these award contenders. These are too much. Uh, you know, talked about films for the the the, the Oscars and and uh, I, I think they should they definitely both have a lot you know a lot, a lot of stuff we can talk about. Mark, is you good? Yes, same. Ditto. Good. Glad to have you both here. Of course, <laughs> I, I think the last time we had you both on was the Summer Gamble Results episode, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, or no, Mark, did I have you on recently for something else? No. Yeah, okay. that was the last one. Good. I'm never wrong. <laughs> No, glad to have you guys here. <laughs> Looking forward to going into these movies. Um, let's uh, let's get some let's get some some uh, show notes real quick first. Uh, uh, let's see. First up, uh, in addition to these uh, episodes, uh, this episode we've talked about a number of uh, recent uh, potential award contenders or what have you in some bonus shows. We did some nights episodes, nights with Abe and I uh, talking the last duel and the French Dispatch. Uh, those are fun episodes just because it's Abe and I, j- just us talking just about one movie, which is uh, enjoyable because we, we don't do that very often. Uh, but we threw those up onto iTunes, where you can find, of course, all of our episodes on iTunes. You can search for our show, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, and you can uh, find all the episodes as well as give us a rating and review, which would be great. It would pop us up in the old iTunes charts. It would grab some, uh, put some more attention on this this very free show that we keep doing. And, uh, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, what else? New commentary track. This, guys, you know what this month is. That's right, it's November. But it's also the 20th anniversary of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's, parentheses, Philosopher's, and parentheses, Stone. Um, yeah. That's this month? That is oh, this wow. month. Yeah, 20 years ago, oh. Marcus. You were 20 years younger. That was next month. You were, you were 20 years younger. I assume you had hair that was like two inches higher. It was it was great. Uh, <laughs> and he, no, I, yeah, no. <laughs> But, but yeah, we, it is the 20th anniversary of Harry Potter, and that is the commentary track we're going to be recording this week, which should be a lot of fun. I just recently watched that movie for the first time in about 15 years. Uh, I have thoughts. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever revisited it, actually. I, no, I haven't because no. I'm like I didn't read the books and I'm just not like I don't dislike the movies. I'm just not a Potter right, right. guy. 
So I've, I've seen all of them with one exception once. And so I'm like, okay, good. I actually have a reason to watch these. And uh, yeah, I, I, uh, it was interesting to, to watch this first one again. So yeah, we'll be talking all about that uh, for this month's commentary chat, which should be a lot of fun. It's going to be a long one for these those, those first couple of movies are pretty long. <laughs> but um, we're going to be getting all into it. And uh, yeah, I think that's it for some show notes. So let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to some out now quickies. DM each weekend. Well, each weekend now you'll move to it. They're talking about the movie with the cookies. DM. Thank you. Um, all right, let's uh, let's go over some stuff. Uh, Mark, let's start with you. What other movies have you seen recently? So I recently saw Passing. Uh, this ah. is on Netflix, and uh, I was unaware this movie is actually based on a 1929 novel of the same name by an American novelist named Nella Larson. And it's about the reunion of two childhood friends, uh, Claire, played by Ruth Nega, and Irene, played by Tessa Thompson. And uh, it's about their relationship, and Claire uh, is a black woman with light skin, so she's able to pass for a white woman. And also complicating matters is the fact that she's married to a white man who is unaware of her racial background. And so the the film is is, is very simple, and it, it sort of depicts the friendship between these two women, and they're they're both fascinated by the other person's life. And I was really captivated by their friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, on the surface, I think it it sort of details these two women hanging out, but then there's a lot of stuff going on, and and their lives do change. And I think their conversations are really fascinating. There is sort of an affected delivery. Uh, in this and because it is based on a book i guess it has a sort of literary style to it sure. but i i did kind of yeah i kind of enjoyed that and it is a window into these two women's lives and i really cared about these women and that makes the ending you know much more powerful so so i saw this movie at sundance so it's been several months since i was able to watch it and i actually because it's on netflix now and you know, in like a nice 4K presentation, I'd imagine. I I, I want to check it out again because I, it's, you know, it's it's come up a lot, and I certainly want to revisit it, especially if I'm making all these like end of year type lists and performance stuff and everything. But I I agree with you. I do, I do think the story, especially specifically the the performances from Thompson and Nega, I think are very good, and it's very interesting to watch the different ways they interact with each other based off how that relationship kind of evolves over the course of the film. It's also it's it's wonderfully photographed. It's shot in black and yeah. white. Um, it's one it's one of the many black and white films that are coming out this award season. <laughs> yeah. But it's one of the few that I think this the cinematography actually applies to the narrative, which I found to be very. I, I thought that was a really rewarding aspect of the film, as opposed to like an aesthetic choice just for the sake of it. I do think it really adds to what the film's trying to do uh, concerning like colorism and racial yeah, politics does. and what have you. So I thought all that. And it's a, the, the directorial debut of a Rebecca Hall, no less, as well. So, yeah. Amazing, right? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. who knew she would have that ability? Because I think it's it's really a well-put-together film. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's on Netflix now, and uh, it sounds like, Mark, you really appreciate it a lot. I, I would recommend it certainly as well. Any other uh, films you've seen recently? Um, well, and then, of course, the two that we're going to be discussing today. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of like the the main ones. Sure. Okay. Marcus, how about you? What have you seen recently? Um, I, I actually, uh, didn't see passing to see John in the hole. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I did that. Um, okay. So John in the hole is about a 13 year old boy who has this difficulty understanding how life works. One day he asks his mom about what it means to be an adult. And she says, Something like, um, 
it's like being a kid, but just with more responsibilities. And it doesn't, he doesn't seem to like that answer. So one day he drugs his whole family and puts them into a bunker, the abandoned bunker that he finds in the woods and leaves them there. So you would think that I would love this, right? This sounds like well, totally. I, I've seen this movie because I and, <laughs> okay, okay. and and I'm aware that it what it called to mind for me is Yorgos Lanthimos, right. who I know you're a fan of. So I'm very right. curious what yeah, your thoughts are on this was, movie. Had very, it had a very at the beginning, it had a very like dog tooth kind sure, of very much so yeah. feel, yeah. right? So. It was, okay, so it's an unsettling movie until you just kind of, for me, until you just kind of don't care anymore. Um, and that was a little more than halfway through the film. I, I, I just, I, I did, it was so ambiguous that I couldn't really enjoy it. There was storylines that were coming out of nowhere. There was, that ended in nothing. There were uh, plot holes. There were poorly written characters that were kind of just, one-dimensional um I, I guess at the end you can kind of analyze the hell out of this movie and manufacture some brilliant reason why everybody did what they did and why things are happening why it ended the way it did but i was kind of bored halfway through and i i just didn't find it worth it to analyze it so yeah that's that's john in the hole i i what did you think aaron i don't I, I gave it a very marginal, like, thumbs up, if you want to put it in those okay. terms. Like, I do think there's – it's not a long movie. Like, it's what, like, under – It's not. It's like a little over 90 minutes, right? And yeah. I, I agree with you that it just becomes kind of repetitive to the point of monotony. I wonder if that will come up later on this week. Uh, but um, <laughs> it's um, <laughs> it, it ended up like – it did enough for me to be like, well – I don't. I did not enjoy like the time with this. I just feel like there could have been more done with it. It's a little too. It looks great. It looks the great. It, yeah, great. it has some like. I doesn't have some like drone shots of like the areas. Yeah, like, that's my. Right. it's been a while. I, it's been a few months since I've seen this movie. So. It's from uh, one of the writers of Birdman from his own short story or mm-hmm. something like that. And I just was kind of I was blown away after after i heard that like i was really expecting something i was like that that's just another layer of kind of disappointment to i i to think this story i think some, i think something that attracted me to it was the fact that michael c hall plays the father and yeah. if there's a movie that's like a lot of time is spent on shitting on michael c hall i'm not really against that <laughs> so, <laughs> that's not me against him as an actor i don't know him as right. a person i don't have no real right. opinion of him it's just more of he has the kind of presence in a movie or a tv show i'm like this guy seems like he needs a beating every now and then. <laughs> like, <laughs> fair enough fair it's kind enough. of the roles he tends to pick when it's not like yeah. dexter it, he never seems like an innocent guy he generally seems like a guy that like needs a stepping up <laughs> stepping down to so. Right. And, and, and for all the characters in this movie, like the mother is really nurturing somewhat. Yeah. She's the mother. And, and the youngest Farmiga is the, uh, daughter is the oldest daughter. And, and, um, the kid is, you know, he's, he's throwing his family in a hole out of all of them. The, the, the father's the most unpleasant person in this movie. So oh, yeah. 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 You're, you're absolutely, <laughs> he play, you're he absolutely plays that role. Yeah. <laughs> Right, you're absolutely right. Where's so, that yeah, now? Is that, that's is the that, movie. Is that streaming somewhere? Streaming, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got a. Uh, yeah, it looks like TV. one of the places you can watch it is Amazon for like a yeah. fee. Okay, so it's like fee, so it's like 
you have to per it's like a per for digital right. you have to purchase it's like it. a three ninety nine yeah okay so it's not just like streaming on I, I, Prime or something I saw that um one person was I looked it up and one person described it as a, a well crafted essay on modern teenage nihilistic angst. And if that doesn't scream Marcus, I don't know what does. <laughs> but it's not even – it's not – yeah, it does. But it's not – that's what I wanted. It's, it's not right, even, right. It's, it's not, like it it's needs, not nihilistic it enough. It needs okay. – yeah, it's not nihilistic enough for me. All right. Well, that's uh, what? Boy, boy in the Hole, right? John in the John Hole. John in the Hole, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Either it it works either way. Um, I've seen a few things uh, this week that I'll make note of. Uh, first up, uh, the power of the dog. Uh, this is the new Jane, Jane Campion film. That's also a big uh, player in award season. I don't know if Abe and I are going to have a longer discussion about this, so I'm not going to put too much thought into or too many words into my thoughts on the power of the dog. I'll just say um, it's certainly well acted. Benedict Cumberbatch stars in this movie. It's a western. It's getting a lot of he's getting a lot of praise. The cast in general has Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, and Cody Smith McPhee. Um, it's a solid like ensemble uh, cast here, and Benedict Cumberbatch is he's very much channeling like a Daniel Plainview type of character as far as intensity and his intimidation against the others and what have you. Um, it's about these ranchers in Montana. Uh, one it's of a them, western. It's a western, yes. It's a it's a it's set in the early. There's model. There's cars, so it's like early 1900s. Um, and it involves these two ranchers and things that transpire. I don't want to get too far into it, but I'll just say it's well acted. It's well, it's really well shot. Um, it has a terrific Johnny Greenwood score, which even more, there will be blood connections in that regard. Uh, there's a lot there that I really liked, and I'll just leave it at that for now. Um, another film I saw was Tick, Tick, Boom. This is the new, uh, this is Lin-Manuel Miranda's uh, directorial debut uh, as far as uh, movies go. And uh, it stars Andrew Garfield as Jonathan Larson, the uh, playwright behind Rent. Um, and it's a, uh, I guess it's an ad. So back up. I'm not like the biggest theater guy. I don't know the most about the scene. So like going into this, I'm just like, all right, Miranda's making a movie. It's got Andrew Garfield and among other reasons. Let's see what happens. The story, without digging into Jonathan Larson's uh, life, I'll just say the, I know this is adapted from something it's kind of a combination of it's like something that he put together in songs by him or whatnot mixed with elements that go over his life as a whole. Cause it's like a, it's a, it's a biopic of sorts, but it's a musical biopic and then kind of like things that happened happened, but also there's kind of exaggerations or what have you to make it more musical and cinematic. Um, Andrew Garfield's really good in this movie. Uh, I, and he I, sings, he does, he sings and he sings well. Okay. Um, he, I, I, I think Andrew Garfield's a pretty great talent in general. I, I like him in most of the yeah, things that I see, regard, regardless of the movies around him sometimes. I think he's generally very good, and he is really good here. Uh, I I walked away knowing more about Jonathan Larson than I knew before, and I think – I'll say this. Compared to Dear Evan Hansen, a movie that I didn't – I had a lot of issues with because of its direction, mainly. I thought there's a lot of problems based off its kind of flat direction for a movie that seems to require more theatricality to it. This movie does that. I'm not gonna say Lin Manuel Miranda made like the best musical, but I do think he seems to he seems to get what it is to take like a story set in New York, it, with featuring a bunch of Bohemians, um, like how to make that come alive in certain ways. And I, I think that that benefits the film overall. Like it's a, it's a good looking movie. Uh, the songs are fine. Like I, don't, I have no real regard for that. It's like yeah yeah I like heard it when I heard it. Um, and Question. Yes. 
so this year has had several high-profile musicals. You yes. mentioned Dear Evan Hansen. Um, how would you compare this to the other ones? Obviously, uh, In the Heights would be another one. I, in the Heights would still be my favorite of these. I really liked In the Heights a lot. Um, this is, I guess we had some like animated musicals too, right? We had like Vivo was one of them, and uh, right. And there's still more, right? There's still Sing. I don't know if you ever Encanto saw this. And yeah, <laughs> and Annette, a Annette came out. Um, Oh, that's true. Yeah. And, yeah. That. and yeah. I, a while back, I saw uh, everybody's talking about Jamie. I don't know if you ever saw that. Oh, no, I didn't, yeah, but, I didn't get uh, to that one. No. Yeah. That actually, the songs were uh, kind of worked their way into my consciousness. Um, I actually think the soundtrack is even better than the film. But Good to know. but I, I agree with you as far as what I've seen in the Heights far and away is my favorite. And yeah. I have not seen Tic Tac Boom, but I'm very excited to. I would recommend it. Like I, I do think, yeah, it, I, I do think it added. You know, <laughs> he's neither here nor there. You're gonna see it regardless. But I'd still say I, I think the movie is, uh, it's pretty solid. Um, and I mean, West Side Story is still what I'm waiting for too. Like I can't oh, wait to yeah. see West Side Story. Oh, yeah. Um, but no, it's certainly in the upper tier of the of the many musicals that seemingly have come out this year. So yeah, yeah, we have black, black and white films and musicals. That's what we got going for it. It's in 2021. <laughs> it, we're we're back in the 20s now apparently that's what's going on uh okay oh last thing of course i cannot forget this i saw rocky 4 colon rocky versus drago ultimate director's cut sylvester stallone's <laughs> director's cut release i didn't even know that rocky existed IV. it had a it had a one night only fathom event premiere on, oh. uh, on thursday night and it and now it's it's now and it's available right now you can you can rent it on v or buy it on vod or digital um <sighs> Basically, he's been wanting to do this for years, and last year during the pandemic, he's like, "Fine, I'm gonna finally sit down and make my director's cut of Rocky IV, which features, and I'll, get, I'll explain this in a second. It features 40 new minutes of material. Now, what that wow. means, it's not that the movie is now over two hours because it's a 90 minute movie. It's still a 90 minute movie, except he's used oh. he's used 40 minutes of alternate footage replaced in the film, which means the fights are, the fights are edited differently." They, uh, there are additional scenes regarding Apollo Creed um, that replace other scenes. For example, everything right. involving that robot, out. There's no robot in Rocky IV anymore. Okay, good. That was the worst all, part. All of the stuff involving Polly and the robot is gone. What it essentially amounts to is a more serious version of Rocky IV. Now, it is still an 80s movie, Rocky IV oh versus Drago. It still has the montages. It still has the music. It still has Apollo Creed and James Brown dancing for a good 10 minutes before their fight starts with Drago. That's fine. None of of that's removed. (laughs) But what I found interesting in this, and I don't think it's either the better or worse than Rocky IV, which I like well enough. It's not my favorite Rocky movie by any means, but it's still, like, fun. What I I liked about this and what Stallone has explained in various interviews and behind-the-scenes stuff is that he wanted to do this as a director now, knowing what he knows now as a filmmaker versus what he knew back in 1987. 87? 88. Yeah. Uh, and that's really what you see here. You see a film that feels affected by what a more mature Stallone would do in these situations. So, like I mentioned, you have more of Apollo Creed. You have additional, like, scenes with him and Rocky. And there's a more Talia Shire. You get more of her. And it it makes it more character-focused. You even get a little bit more of Drago. There's a little more, there's a little more to set to make him more human. Uh, compared to the Russians, who seem more villainous now in this version of the movie, the other Russians. Really? Okay. Yeah. And not for nothing, Brigitte Nielsen has been reduced dramatically to, like, one line in the movie, which makes me wonder how much bitterness oh, wow. Stallone still has to Brigitte <laughs> <Jeez>. Nielsen. <laughs> so, it's, um, oh, wow. so, yeah, it's more of, like, a curiosity than, a rec- like, an essential, like, the ultimate version of Rocky Four. 
I think you could watch mm-hmm. either one and be fine. But for those that you know are curious about what this newer version of Rocky Four looks like, it's it's out there, and I'd, I'd certainly recommend checking it out if you you know have ninety minutes to spare and want to set your heart on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, I I had never seen Rocky Four in a theater, so I was excited just to go to a theater okay. and see Rocky Four. <laughs> so and you get you know it's fun to see Rocky movies in the theater; they're fun. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I've been. Thinking. I saw Rocky Three in a theater. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> Did you really? Yes. That's awesome. And I loved it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Eye of the Tiger, baby. <laughs> but, um, all right. So that's enough quickies. DM. Thank you. Both of you. Perfect. Yes. Let's, uh, let's Who needs to... aim? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I ask that. I don't. Um, <laughs> let's get to some trailer talk where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, when it's coming out, what we thought of it, what have you. This week we're talking Being the Ricardos. This is the upcoming, another biopic, uh, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, following the romantic and professional relationship between Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Uh, the film stars Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball and Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz. You also have J.K. Simmons as William Frawley and Nina Arianda as Vivian Vance, along with Tony Hale, Ali Shakwat, and Jay Glazy and Clark Gregg, among others. Yeah, that's there's there's a lot. So we got a Lucy movie uh, coming out. Uh, Mark, I'm gonna go to you for go to you first. What did you think of the trailer for Being the Ricardos? So I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I love the TV show I Love Lucy. Like I've <laughs> I've literally seen. I'm being serious here. I'm not joking. I've seen probably every episode like ten times. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've I've watched it a lot. So I, I I know the the TV series very well. The trailer. I mean, of course, because of that, I'm fascinated to see a film about Lucille Ball. I can't say that the trailer particularly captivated me because it it seems so serious and dour and and not at all. I mean, I and I realize they're they're doing something different here, um, but I didn't. It didn't really captivate me. So I, I I'm definitely going to see it, and I'm I'm curious to see you know Javier Bardem's and and uh, Nicole Kidman's takes on these characters. Um, but it does it does look like they're trying to be a little edgy. They want to give sort of like you know the sort of the 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 I don't know the simmering stuff that was happening behind the scenes. And you know I'll I'll watch it, uh, but I can't say that I was I'm not rushing to the theater to see it. Marcus, how about you? Are you a I Love Lucy fan like Mark? Um, yeah. I mean, I grew up not like Mark. I, I don't. Uh... <laughs> Only five times each for each episode. <laughs> Only five times. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, guilty. Um, the trailer. <laughs> the trailer looks fine. I mean, I, I think it's the cast that has me kind of more intrigued. Even though, I mean, is Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem like? Do they look like? Ricky no is the answer to your question. Uh, no, no, no is the answer. No, but I'm still intrigued. I'm still intrigued. I want to see what J.K. Simmons does because you know. Uh, well, and J.K. Simmons as William Fred Mertz—that's a very strange choice. I mean, just because I, you know, I've I've seen Oz and I've seen mm-hmm. J.K. Right. Simmons' whole you know filmography, so yeah. it's just an odd choice. It is very. All of these are kind of odd choices um nina arianda I mean, I mean, that really just, reminds me of vivian vance like, yeah that's the one where it's like yeah i, I get go. that yes. <laughs> that yeah and i think that's i think that's what i got out of the trailer like 
all the other characters kind of popped out at me like, oh, I know. Okay. Okay. And then that was the only character that didn't pop out, which I think that's a good thing because she kind of blended into what the character was supposed to be. But the main thing here is it's written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. And I'm kind of like, Mm. (laughs) is this just going to be, Oh, it can either go like super standard Chicago seven stuff where it just, it just, it's in and out and just disappears. And I forget about in two seconds, which I don't want that to happen. Or it's something that I'm just like, is this how they really spoke? Is, is this how they really like, I'm just, maybe my expectations are low. That, but that has nothing to do with the trailer, I guess. The trailer looks fine. Uh, my expectations are low, and it's because of these <laughs> trailers, and because they haven't done anything to convince me that this wild casting is, like, the way to go on this thing. Will I see this movie? Yes, by default, because it's a new Aaron Sorkin project, despite the fact that his directorial efforts haven't been the best. I like Molly's Game. Right. Um, but... Yeah, I like Molly's game too. Yeah, but yeah, it's fine. As of the time of this recording, the movie had its first like critic screening last night, and it and it came up with a lot of praise. That's the same thing that happened with the Trial of Chicago Seven. So it's yeah. like I don't know who to trust in this scenario right now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not entirely sure. And yeah, not helping it is. I mean, what, how they're trying to sell this movie. If you want to convince me that Nicole Kidman and Javier, Javier, Javier Bardem are uh, uh, Lucy and Desi, I, I, I need them to show me that. And the trailer seems like it's going out of the way to, like, not show me that. You know what I mean? Like, did you guys, like, really see them as these characters in this? Like, they don't show much of them. No. There, <laughs> no. There's a part of the beginning of the trailer where he goes, oh, Lucy, I'm home. And I, it reminded me of Jim Carrey on uh-huh. – um, <laughs> In Living Color, yes. and he did the same thing. Uh, was it Lupita or whatever? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a very obscure reference, but uh, Jim Carrey did this character on In Living Color, well, and I, you're making you know, you're making you, my references because sure I because I grew because I grew up loving In Living Color, and also my mom yeah. loved Lucy, therefore I loved Lucy. I watched all. I also watched all. Oh, of I love Lucy f- many times. I, the first two seasons of In Living Color, I I saw every episode. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. yeah so I mean. So when I heard Javier Bardem say that, I'm like, I just heard Jim Carrey in the part. But anyway. Yeah. So there, there's a trailer, I think. Uh, the first trailer I saw, I saw two trailers. There's yeah. a trailer where it doesn't show Lucy's face. Yeah. It doesn't show Nicole Kidman's face mm-hmm. for like the almost the entirety of the trailer. It just has her doing a, a, a narrative, yeah. a, a narration over, over whatever. I like that trailer more. Because the other trailer just shows her, bam, she's in every scene. And I'm just like, wow. So it's that's the one I saw. Yeah, so I've How seen. I've seen the, they don't look. Yeah, there was the teaser trailer, and then there's the second one. Right. Neither of them right. have done, but because I'm not trying to like sit here with my arms crossed and be like, this is impossible to be good. But like, you you would think the trailers would do something for me in this regard, and they just really haven't so far. Again, right. it's Sorkin. As much as it's playing up this kind of dramatic aspect to it, it you know it's going to be a very funny movie to watch. Like you know the dialogue's going to be whip smart and everything. I just hope right. that whatever they're doing for these characters. To say nothing about, you know, not casting a Cuban actor to play Dizzy. Right. Whatever they're doing, I hope that they just imbue them with the spirit of these, you know, of these legendary performers. Because what else am I going to get out of this outside of that then? Like, I don't I don't know what else I'm supposed to grab, gravitate towards. So uh, hopefully there's a unique take on on the lives of these characters. Uh, given Sorkin and how he tends to put these things together, I'm curious, like, what 
period this is going to focus on. Um, yeah, you know, the story of I Love Lucy is actually quite interesting because yeah. Lucille mm-hmm. Ball did it on the radio and she was paired up with a different guy. And then when she it came time to be on the TV show, she wanted her husband to be on it. And the network executives were like, nobody's going to believe this, that you're married to this guy. And it's like, well, it's the truth. Mm-hmm. And obviously it turned out that they were the great chemistry i mean they were married and it was it worked out beautifully so i mean it's a fascinating story i mean you can yeah. there's definitely a lot here mm-hmm. and from what i'm aware the 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 arnez like his, her daughter has approved of what's going on here so i i, I want to know what it is that made her finally sit down and be like yeah we can finally make a cinematic you know a theatrical movie out of out of my parents to see how that goes i i i mm-hmm. obviously i want to hope for the best but so far I it just I can't get past Kidman and Bardem like they're just so like hearing those choices it's like and now I see Kidman as Bill and it's like okay fine <laughs> but then the Bardem thing is still gra- baffling to me like it's, yeah. like yeah. Bardem's such a specific kind of person right his voice is right. so specific so it's like Desi Arnaz like <laughs> all right let's uh, let's see what we got but um we'll see soon enough it is an Amazon uh film it will be. I believe arriving in theaters December 10th, probably limited release before it goes like to Prime Video uh, December 21st. So uh, everyone will have a chance to watch the film and see if uh, Sorkin has some planning to do. Uh, all right, let's. Um, <laughs> so, that was uh, good. Let's uh, let's move on now. That was at a, or that was trailer talk. Let's move on to our main review, our first review for Spencer. Mommy! <laughs> Family are all gathered in the drawing room. They are waiting. Three days. That's it. They're getting quite serious about you. So stand very still and smile a lot. They know everything. They don't. to make you so sad. Well, here, in this house, there is no future. Past and the present are the same thing. Diana, they can't change. You have to change. You have to be able to do things you hate. You hate? There has to be two of you. It's the real one (laughs) and the one they take pictures of. That should have been some of the trailer for Spencer. Set in 1991, Spencer follows a few days in the life of Diana, Princess of Wales, during the Christmas holiday spent at the Queen's Estate in Norfolk. At this point, Diana and Prince Charles's marriage has disintegrated. She's there to be with her children, but her mind is elsewhere, with little regard for traditions being upheld. Instead, we follow Diana as she tries to keep her mind together, dealing with the role of paparazzi, the staff, and others who may have issues with as she wanders through the royal hallways. Marcus, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of Spencer? I really enjoyed this movie. <clears throat> I think I'll touch on on the things that I really really uh, popped out at me, and there there are a lot. Uh, Kristen Stewart's performance, I think it's the uh, it's the shoe in best actress. Well, you know, for me, um, I think she gives a very Meryl Streepish level performance here where she becomes this character and 15 minutes in i'm i'm forgetting that i'm 
I'm watching really her trying to do Diana and she's just this princess that is called Diana, um, which I think doesn't doesn't happen all the time with these these uh, impression movies. Uh, this is more of her doing an interpretation. I think it goes really well with the Johnny Greenwood score mm-hmm. that swings back between this avant-garde and classical thing, which works really well for this woman who is like in the middle of these two worlds. Um, I even like the Stephen Knight script and, 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 and I'll use kind of like the term on the nose. It, a lot of his stuff is on the nose, the dialogue, but I didn't mind it. It works really well for, for this type of movie. And um, yeah, uh, uh, as for the direction, um, who the, this is the director from Jackie, Jackie right? Yeah, Pablo, uh, Pablo, Pablo Lorraine. Lorraine. Yes. Um, I remember coming out of Jackie and I was kind of empty about the entire experience. And so my fear going into Spencer was that this was going to be a movie for like the monarchy obsessed, the people who had binge watched the crown and who had, you know, read every book and seen every podcast and, you know, seen every Oprah interview and whatnot. But credit to Lorraine's vision, I mean, he does something different here. He makes it more surreal, which I really love, uh, and less narrative-driven. Um, we really get kind of like an immersive Diana experience, uh, and it's also really later. Like, it, like it, it's very much an attempt to see uh, 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 to to be a film about women trapped under this 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 the weight of the patriarchy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mean, he, he has made a, a, a film about a woman that's trapped in this loveless marriage surrounded by the most powerful family in the world. And she's kind of hopelessly marching towards the gallows, but we're rooting for her. We're rooting for her to get out of this. We're rooting for her to break free. And, and in no time I was, all in on this movie like within 20 minutes okay mark how about you where are your thoughts on spencer uh so cut to the chase i didn't care for this film however (laughs) i will start where we agree i did think that kristen stewart gave a performance and i think she's doing exactly what uh director pablo lorraine is asking he he wants a portrait of a woman coming completely undone and in that respect i think she does meet the assignment and she does a good job at that um where and and also another compliment that i do agree is it doesn't cater to your expectations you like you said you mentioned the crown and you might expect some sort of stately uh portrait of the british uh monarchy and that's not what this is this is a gothic horror tale mm-hmm. and there is mm-hmm. really i can't say there really is hardly anything in this film that i think is the truth other than the fact that there was a woman named princess diana who was married right. to prince charles and her life uh didn't you know she wasn't happy uh so that's that's sort of the perspective that you have to you know approach this with the the problem i had with it is first of all i didn't find her particularly likable i think she is you know she's trapped in this sort of house slash marriage slash family slash dynasty and she wants to escape um but 
these are sort of first world problems. I mean, the issues she has to deal with is showing up on time and exasperated by these traditions. And she's tortured by the idea of having to wear expensive clothes and, you know, irritated by this attentive staff. And these are the indignities that she has to deal with. And I didn't share that issue with her. So I found her a little bit petulant and and not particularly likable. And I know we, we are supposed to sympathize with her because she is tormented by this predicament and it does grow uh, progressively more traumatic. I, I did find some of it a bit amusing. Like, I, I mean, I did like Timothy Spall, but I mean, he is so, I mean, he's like a vampire in the movie. I mean, he's essentially uh, watching her, you know, every move and she is, he is one of the attendants that kind of like she wants to break free from. And the, the staff, uh, I mean, there's a woman that's, so uh, who's the uh, woman that she Sally, likes? Sally that, Hawkins. Sally Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Right. And then she's replaced by another woman and she's sort of nasty to her. And really, she hasn't really done anything. She just is the new woman, but she's she's not, she doesn't want her. And then I think there was, um, what was the, uh, she just, she's just sort of like not, uh, I guess I didn't share her her feeling and then i I mean and the thing is it's it's kind of a portrait of kind of what i put in my review it kind of like catherine deneuve in repulsion i mean she's kind of coming coming apart and so i did sort of like appreciate that but i I didn't really feel you know the same way that she did so um and, and there are highly exaggerated choices you know in the kitchen there's a sign that says they can hear you and there's uh, everything is sort of underscored and bold faced to emphasize what's happening. Um, you know, I mean, there's an ending that I thought was almost like laughable. And we can t- we can talk about the pearl scene, but that was sort of like that kind of typifies the sort of exaggerated portrait that I I I just I didn't embrace it. So. What I'm hearing from Mark, because I like this Come movie, on, Mark. Are, are a lot of reasons why I like this movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I, 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 you know, the idea of her being petulant and unlikable for aspects of it, I, I thought those were commendable elements of the film because I like that it's not presenting this perfect person or someone that's clearly in the right all the time versus this evil royal family. I like that she's more complex in that regard. I will say I think Stewart does deliver a strong performance here. And I like that, Mark, as you pointed out, the film isn't giving you this kind of, you know, by the numbers presentation of a storyline revolving around Diana's life and what have you. We've got that version with, I believe, Naomi Watts a few like a while back, mm-hmm. and it's a terrible movie. Uh, this is the movie from the director of Jackie, which Jackie, I really liked. Um, and I think Natalie Portman deserved the Oscar over Emma Stone that year, but that's neither here nor there now. Uh, but I, the, you know, this feels like it's taking it in that same direction, taking it one step further as far as how abstract it can be in its presentation. It's funny seeing this movie like a week after Last Night in Soho, which dealt with like similar things as far as like women coming apart uh, psychologically while, you know, various forces around her uh try to upend what's going on with her and control her and make her do certain things um the the way this thing unfolds i like that it serves as this kind of rather than being a exact you know dramatization of what diana was really going through it's more just like a jumping off point it's this movie that uses that framework to be like i want to make a got like you mentioned mark it is a gothic horror movie and 
I, I would so much rather take 10 more of these biopics than, you know, the standard stuff that I get every year that comes out and wins awards and wins praise for doing nothing interesting to me whatsoever. There are exceptions, obviously. There's one coming out next week that feels like an exception in that regard, but it's because of the strength of the things that work best for it. But this movie, I wouldn't even say I like it as much as Jack. I think it's lesser than. I do think it has a tendency to meander um, a bit for a movie that's as long as it is um, while trying to find what it's going for as far as what to say. But I do think that the the things that are there, I think re- like it's it's incredibly stylish. Like it has this muted pastel look to it that I found to be intriguing. It's like it it's flat on like in a purposeful way to reflect kind of where her mind's at while still like having this lavishness I, that I comes agree. with it. It is stylish. Mm-hmm. I mean that there's no denying that. And so yeah, no, it's a it's a it, it looks fantastic. And you mentioned Timothy Spall. He is the for me. He's the standout support. Him maybe in Sean Harris, honestly, as the the chef that announces all these different dishes and like his exacting orders. Yeah. Just something. Mm-hmm. But the way Timothy, you you described him as like a vampire. That's exactly right. And again, it's something I appreciate I about that performance. I, I think it's it's so like deliberate and it's an you know right. even more than a vampire. He's like an attendant from like the Overlook Hotel from The Shining. Like, that's what he right. feels oh, like. Oh, no, it's very Kubrick. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's what this that's what this movie is at all. That's what I wrote in my review. Like it's like half a Terrence Malick dream sequence and half a Kubrickian nightmare. Like that's how it functions to me. And I was just into it. I can't. It's not like it's not going to end up on my top ten of the year. But I certainly appreciated it making just these strides to be much different than the standard biopic about Princess Diana. Like I just I really mm-hmm. I liked it. Um. <laughs> Well, we're 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 at a bit of odds, obviously. <laughs> I, I'll ask you this, Mark. At what like at what point were you were were you like not feeling what was deli- being delivered in this film? That's a good question because I I, I was uh, I was there for a big part of the film. I, I did feel like I, maybe it was the pearl scene. I don't exactly remember when that happened, mm. but it's very late. There was yeah, okay. Yeah. So. Here, let me. I mean, I, I don't know if I should like detail the whole thing, but uh, I'll just say it's funny because there's a part where the violins are swelling and it's mm-hmm. loud, and and I started to think, oh my gosh, this soundtrack is so exaggerated. And the camera pulls back, and it turns out those violins are actually in the room. Yeah. Like <laughs> that is the music of the room. And then I thought, well, that's like a scene out of I don't know, Airplane or or what what movie did it where you think the music is not part of the scene, and then it's just, no, no, that's the music they're playing. Well, even then, and like I the movie thought, is the movie is showing. It's the most ridiculous Christmas music to be possibly. I mean, it's Christmas, and I mean, it's just it, I started to I guess I was rolling my eyes a bit, and mm. I guess we're sort of on the same page because I mean, it is stylish and it's it's different, and I do appreciate those kinds of things. But I just felt like it was so heavy handed. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to like the ending. They play a song and the the words, the lyrics of the song are basically what she's feeling at that time. Like, I can figure this out. I I can see it. There's another thing, too. When okay, so things are coming back to me when she has that moment with the pearls the next day, I guess, Prince, she says something to him like, how do I look? And he's like, fine. And it's like so dismissive. And then he says, you know, the bees make the honey. And the fishermen catch the fish. The least you can do is enjoy the food. That's one of the, the best lines. That's one without of the best vomiting lines. it. And it just seems so exaggerated. I, I laughed. I mean, I was laughing at moments of the film, but not laughing like with the film, more at it. 
And so it's just those. You don't think that was was meant to be? It was just exaggerated. It was just so over the top that I just thought it was, I mean, it was almost. If you don't connect with it, you don't connect with it. I get that for sure. This is not a movie for everybody. And that's not me saying saying it's it's impossible for you you to enjoy this. It's just like if you you like it, you like it. But I do think the. I, I I do think the um the choices made that, that are exaggerated. I mean, we're at a point where people just don't get certain things sometimes presented flatly to them, where they where like it's like it's I don't it, I don't necessarily think it's being didactic, but I do think it's it's not exaggerating without a certain it, purpose. Like, cause it I still, is I still, it I still, is a but that's a good word. It, it's it is a bit di- didactic. Like I can already see from the scene that you know she loves her children and she's happy to be with them. And then the song lyrics say, you know, all I need is you. It's like okay, I get it. Like I already knew that. And those, are, and, but there's the, lots. And the, they can hear you, you know, in the kitchen with the sign. Mm-hmm. Like I, I get it. Like we 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 know isn't that. Isn't that? Isn't that all just to emphasize what kind of abuse she's going through? Not to say, hey, this is not somebody who was getting screamed at and yelled at. I guess I, I just wanted this more was more of like, this was more. This is just these uh, um, throwaway a- abuses. Like I'm walking out of the room and I'm going to smash you with this thing, or I'm going to slightly turn my head and tell you not to throw up in the bathroom, or I'm going to do that. And I, yeah, that that was good. That was. I don't know. Right. It, was and then, show, it was showing that they're basically watching everything because you're like, oh, you saw that? Right. Or, you know, I, Mark, yeah. I, would, I would. I mean, I, so, I, yeah, no, I, I would, let me just say real quick, I, Mark, I, 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 these are the, the kinds of things you're saying. They're things that maybe take it down to like a B for me as opposed to like an A for a movie. But as far as the the use of this kind of language to emphasize certain points or what have you. I mean, the movie's already gone off this deep end as far as how it's telling you the story. It's not like other biopics, right? I mean, it, it the, the fact right. that it's, the yeah. fact that it's spelling out certain themes to me, they're not like giant detractors. Like if, if it's, if it doesn't have those elements, does it increase in quality to me? I don't know. It could go here nor there, but I do think the movie's already operating this kind of, different sort of mode compared to what a standard Diana biopic would be where I, I don't, I wasn't too hung up on, you know, having a little extra emphasis on certain aspects, given all the other stuff that's going, like even the Gothic horrorness of it all, that's completely untraditional to like what you generally get from this kind of movie. Right. I, I, I don't begrudge anybody's enjoyment of the sure. film and yeah. I completely understand it. Like there are, there are times where I see a movie and I, I hate it and I can't understand why other people like it. This I Oh, Red Notice. It. Sorry. <laughs> but, <laughs> I haven't seen that, but um, yet. But, um, you know, the, some of the other – another dialogue, the, the Prince Charles tells Diana, you know, there's two of us. There's the one that we – portray to the public and there's the one that we are behind yes she knows this like this is this doesn't have to be said like they've been living together in this environment for a long time it just felt like okay this is for the benefit of the audience but i do think that i do think that's that's useful to have as far as like the movie needs to give you something of prince charles and the way they're doing it with jack farthing uh playing the playing the (laughs) character i do think there's like marcus you're saying it's not like it's an accident that it like reads a certain way and that you're not only supposed to feel a certain way about him based off what you're bringing into the movie already as well as his performance, but I do think it's inherently funny and it's not not trying to be. There's a okay, there's so, a scene there's a scene funny, where yeah. she's in where she's 
eating. She snuck out at like in the middle of the night, not outside, but she snuck down to the pantry or something and she's eating food. Right. And the, the, uh, she gets caught and she describes herself as being this bug that, that, that everybody's plucking the limbs off of. Right. And that's very on the nose, but it seems like, that's why you didn't like this movie, but that's why I loved this dialogue. Like that, on, it, that's the on the nose stuff that I like. It was, it was, it wasn't to the point where I was like, oh, this is so like walking me down, whatever. It was saying the things that I kind of was was feeling, and I and I welcomed it at that point. Mm-hmm. Which I I get it, I get it. In another movie. This could have played really bad. This script could have played badly. This this dialogue could have played really badly. But in this these situations, it was like I needed her to say that. I needed him to say that at that point. And I needed I, I welcome that song. I get it. I get what you're saying. That song was like so on the nose. But all the on the nose stuff, I kind of enjoyed. And I don't know that the last time I've said that about a a script before. Mm-hmm. Let's talk. I mean, we, I guess we should talk more about Stewart since it's you know she's, she's po- poised to be nominated for a movie like this. Um, right. I you know we I don't think it's for us for, you know for people that watch movies plenty and that, I I don't think it's a surprise to be like oh Stewart has talent. I mean we've been seeing that for the better part of a decade at this point uh, as far as the various indie movie and art house choices that she's been making. Um, I guess I guess I ask you know given. Given the kind of automatic acclaim that came when they're like, the director of Jackie's going to direct Kristen Stewart in a Princess Diana movie, it feels like that already gave you like the, okay, so that's that's like on its way to being nominated already, thought. It, do, you, do you guys regard this as like some of one of like her strongest effort or do you put this in like, what what realm do you put this in for her? I think she wins the Academy Award. I, 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 you know, there's going to be a lot of, um, kind of like i don't know if a lot of people have seen her like in personal shopper or whatever she's great in that but this is i believe her like step up cal- caliber this is a movie that i believe a lot of people are going to see um and she nails it she makes it her own and she really i'm telling you, she she made me forget that i was kind of watching her act as diana and I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't grow up really listening to Diane and I didn't really, I don't really have a lot of memories of how she spoke a lot and how whatever, you know, all that stuff. So I, I wasn't really looking for it, but I, I do not care about, about the minutes, royal I didn't family. Really care. So like, it's not that right. That's after not about a... 15 minutes, I didn't really care. And I was like, okay, I'm embracing whatever this character is that she's bringing. I'm embracing this as the true Diana at this point in time. Yeah, well, just to the point you were mentioning, I, I did not focus on Princess Diana growing up either. Mm-hmm. However, uh, they do make some choices here, and I think they go for some style choices so that it isn't distracting. Um, she had very short, kind of a stylized hairstyle at this time, and she used to have this sort of electric blue eyeliner that she wore for like the better part of a decade, and they forego that, and I think that's fine. I mean, I think some of those, if they were to force her to look exactly as she did in right. um, that time, I think it would be distracting. It would be costumey. And that's not what this film is about. It's it's going for a mood. It's going for, you know, that's not the point. And as far as Kristen Stewart's performance is concerned, I think she does 
she's mesmerizing. I mean, I I will not be surprised if she's nominated and if she wins. I, you know, I will. I I don't know if she's not going to be my favorite performance because I didn't care for the film. But I do think that as far as her talent is concerned, it's good. And I think she does a good job in this role. And I think she does get there's a I will say this. I I, the beginning of the movie, I was kind of there's a part where she I guess she gets lost and she Mm -hmm. she ends up in this little uh, cafe and she's asking for directions and the townsfolk are staring at her like oh my gosh here's princess diana and she kind of looks down at the ground and she looks up at the at the you know ceiling and she has this way about her that totally recalled the real princess diana perfectly and it was at that moment that i thought oh my gosh this is really going to be a great film and and then just as things kind of played out i wasn't quite captivated by it all but mm-hmm. um i think she does a good job i will I, I mean, I agree with you guys as far as, you know, what she's putting into it. And I, I do, as I said, I do think it, I th- I think it functions best by being this sort of interpretation of what that life is as opposed to a direct copy of who Diana was, right? I, I, and I think that's, you know, the choice that's clearly being made. Um, I will add, you know, aside from the fact that Stuart is a certain age and she certainly has her level of acclaim and a certain look that I can understand why you would cast her as Diana. It's not a coincidence that someone like Kristen Stewart is being cast as someone like Princess Diana, as far as the kind of secondary life formed around by like media and what have you that, you know, occupies both of them. I do think there's an interesting connection there as far as, you know, the way Prince Diana was hounded by the paparazzi or what have you. And and Kristen Stewart has been hounded by the media for anything that she does. Apparently I, I think they're, I wouldn't be, you know, to draw off something like that for to do this performance, I wouldn't be surprised that if that played a role in this, whether or not that, you know, that really came out on screen to me. I do think, you know, the work is there to kind of to to give it, you know, to give some extra subtle layers to it in that regard. There, There's a narrative here to to her winning the Oscar, and that's a lot of people sort of associate her with the twilight films and and that they're sort of frivolous and uh, as we all know she's she and we'll discuss it later in the podcast she's done many other you know great performances but um for many people this might be sort of a a wake up call and the idea of her winning the award does have kind of a nice poeticism to it so i think there is sort of a, a there's a desire to give her the award for that reason what else um in regards to kind of, I mean, we talked about the supporting cast or what have you. I mean, there, there, it, there is like the, the kind of endless walking she does through certain hallways and the way her mind, not necessarily fractured, but certainly, um, there, there's certainly an approach that she has to recalling things like Anne Boleyn and other elements right. uh, that it, that she tries to connect to her own life. Uh, and I guess, you know, that emphasizes kind of like the, the gothic horror aspect of it all. Did you, did you, Mark, since you're lesser on the film, like in terms of the kind of the psychological drama going on, did you, like, did you have, did you have your thoughts on like that take for this kind of story to like, did that, was that, if you liked this movie more, would this aspect have been like a reason why, or was this something that was holding you back from it? Um, well, I think. So, I mean, am I okay with the gothic horror way of telling the story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think the Pablo Lorraine, I think 
is inspired by the story of Princess Diana and wanted to, to I mean, it's a creative way of telling her story. And so in that respect, I, I think he did bring something different to it. So I mean, I appreciated that. Marcus, how about you? We're... Um, yeah, I I I, 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 I loved you. OK, so maybe this is a tasting because I I love the kind of it, it really verged on kind of like this Lynchian stuff uh, and in some aspects of it. Uh, there's scenes with pliers. There's the yeah. pearl scene. There's uh, the Anne Boleyn coming in and out. Um, these kind of waking nightmare dream intertwining in in her reality uh the walls are closing in on her kind of stuff that i really enjoyed that i thought without those this would be an entirely different movie and i really appreciated that layered with the performance it really complemented everything and this in the score that all that complements this with the score just worked it's like princess diana decided to stay at the overlook hotel All we needed was a guy in a bear costume. <laughs> uh, we mentioned you mentioned the score a little bit, uh, Marcus, and this is Johnny Greenwood, who I just am yeah. fascinated by because he always adds a little something different uh, to what's right. going on. I, I like the kind of colli- colliding of different ideas going on here between like classical stuff or some jazzy stuff. Um, at times and among other aspects, Mark, you pointed out like the, the scene with like the violins in the room. And it's like, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, 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 you know, given the perspective of this film, it does feel like, you know, her own mind is drawing out some of these things in a very purposeful manner. Like I, it got to the point where I'm like this. So we're just watching like an untrustworthy narrator at this, like, yes. in, like, I, I don't know what to take real. And which may, which I guess brings me back to some of the things that are being emphasized so much. It's like, am I, am I seeing this or is it just like the movie showing me what Diana is interpreting as, as some of these, even, things? even simplistic things. Like, I don't know if it's the same scene with the pearls, but there's the scene where she's sitting there and every, her, uh, uh, um, Charles and, and the queen are staring at her and they're staring at her. And it's very like, they're waiting for her to eat and they're waiting for her to react. And they're waiting for her to, they're just staring at her. And at first you think this is what's really happening. But at, at, as time goes on, you're questioning what is actually happening. Are these just things that she's are being amplified in her mind? Is she, is this part of the, the, what we're seeing her breaking down in a visual kind of representation? I, you know, I welcomed it. What else? Uh, I've, you know, <laughs> I wonder about this too. The movie is, it's deliberately paced. I think is a nice way to say mm-hmm. it. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's almost two hours. I can imagine some people feeling it's longer. Mark was the, was the pacing uh, an issue for you? <laughs> you know, that's, I, that wasn't an issue I had with it. Well, that's neat <laughs> to know. Yeah. No, it, it was, it was more the, the heavy handedness and the, exaggerated take that's fair like i would I, I would honestly say it was a bit of an issue for me just because of how we were showing stuff i think i mentioned this it did like like there's so much that i i figure out as far as okay what kind of story are we being told how are we getting into diana and like what's she going through and there are places where it's like okay like i get it like we we can we can have one less hallway to wander through i, I understand the point of certain scenes so it it, it, felt, <laughs> it felt like it like Again, like as one that really liked Jackie, it felt like that film 
had a very specific through line that it was going for. Where this one, it felt to me, it felt lesser by being more, I don't know, exploratory with its ideas and wanting to just like expand on things that I don't think necessarily needed expanding upon. Um, to the point so, of it, um, to the point of it feeling a, a bit longer than necessary. So you liked Jackie more than this, but obviously yes. you liked them both, correct? Yes, correct. And Marcus, how did you feel? How would you contrast the two? Um, I loved the performance in Jackie, but the movie kept me left me kind of empty. I would have to revisit it because I kind of don't remember large aspects of it. And I saw it in the I remember seeing it in theater, and I remember her performance, but it left me pretty empty. Yeah. So I. I didn't care for Jackie either. So, I mean, I had a similar feeling of this. I think I probably liked Jackie more slightly, but, um, but yeah, I, I would think you would, if you liked one, I would expect mm-hmm. you to like the other, which so, is why I'm surprised I, by Marcus. Like I think I, I, I didn't recall your thoughts on Jackie. So I'm surprised that you liked this movie so much and Jackie just didn't do much for you. <laughs> like it yeah. feels like these are yeah. so, it feels like these are so of a piece with each other. And I would, I would, I remember them. So, so when I was watching this, I remember having kind of like, okay, this is made by the same director without even knowing it was made by the same director. Uh-huh. I, I would have known it was made by the same director. Um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this movie a lot more. I would have to go back and revisit Jackie. Um, I've only seen it once. Um, I have a feeling you're going to re- see why. You yeah, might like maybe, it more. Maybe I wasn't in a good mindset maybe i whatever but i remember going in there and thinking like i this isn't doing it for me i don't know i don't care i i'm 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 good it's fine um i love her performance she's very you know uh uh, uh she's very good but i just it wasn't my thing i guess but yeah fair enough any other thoughts on spencer before we move on to our next film Okay, then let's get to our, our rating for it. When should people go and see Spencer? Marcus, Spencer's in theaters right now. When should people see this movie? In theaters. Risk it all. In theaters. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, when should people see Spencer? I would say when it comes to streaming. Okay. Uh, I would give this a theater. I do think it. It's 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 really the... It's different than other things that it could have been like, and I appreciate that very much. So I, w- I would say, yeah, check it out. We we get more movies, not exactly like this, but certainly in this ilk. Um, all right, so that's Spencer. Let's move on now. Let's uh, let's get to our next review for Belfast. We all have a story to tell, but what makes each one different is not how the story ends, but rather the place where it begins. Holy God. Mama says if we went across the water, they wouldn't understand the way we talk. If they can't understand you, then they're not listening. You know who you are, don't you? Your buddy from Belfast, where everybody knows you. to cleanse the community away, but you wouldn't want to be the old man out in this street. Touch my family and I'll kill you. Are we gonna have to leave Belfast? We'll fight this together. This is it. This is what? This is war. Open up your eyes, 
civil war. What do you want? I want my family with me. I want you. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Belfast. Having taken a number of big studio projects over the past decade, some more successful than others, Kenneth Branagh finally took the chance to make a film he's thought about for years, a semi-autobiographical look back at his time growing up in Belfast in Northern Ireland. Set in the last of the 60s, uh, the film is largely told from the point of view of Buddy, who lives with his ma, his pa, his brother, and his grandparents. There is trouble on the streets just outside his home as political and nationalist unrest has led to rioting and violence, while Buddy's father does the best, but does his best to keep his family out of it with an eye towards moving them all away, Buddy just wants to be a kid and find out if the girl in his class likes him. Mark, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on Kenneth Branagh's Belfast? Well, I think it's true. You always should write or direct or you do things from what you know. And the good thing is that Kenneth Branagh has taken his own childhood and created a movie based on that. And it's it's really lovely. Um, I think it's a nice reminiscence and I think it does a nice job of taking very uh, troubling events of like riding in the streets, uh, the early days of what they call the troubles in Northern Ireland Mm -hmm. uh, and then contrast it with these joyous moments of his childhood, like spending it in the movie theater uh, and watching movies. And it's mostly black and white, but some of these uh, joyous moments have bursts of color. I think the, the mix of those things is very nice. It's a very artistic film and it's, it's a very sweet film. I didn't think it was particularly deep or powerful, but I think it's sincere. And I think it comes from a very personal place for Kenneth Branagh. And from that aspect, I did feel what he was giving us. Um, this has been a, a very highly talked about film uh, for the award contenders. I walked into the film knowing that. And when I walked out, I was a little bit like, Hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's sweet. So I don't want to like downplay the 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 it's it's beauty. I certainly recommend it. It's 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 definitely a good film. Was it one of the best films I saw of the year? I don't think so. I mean, I'm not even sure if I would put it in my top 10 now. And I still have a lot of other films to see. But I think it was it was it was very nicely realized. Um I thought uh, Katrina Balf, who plays his mother, is is quite good. I am not familiar with this actress, and maybe I should be. Um, but there's a there's a nice little scenes here and there, and one in particular that sort of stands out. I like the reminiscence of him being at the movie theater, and there's several uh, scenes where he is watching movies. And one of them is One Million Years B.C., which stars Raquel Welch. And there's a funny scene where the wife. Uh, looks at her husband as Raquel Welch is up there on her, with her wearing her fur be, furry bikini, and she's like, um, you know, kind of eyeing him. And I just thought that was amusing, and and I think maybe even the child was aware of those kinds of things. So I, I like those little touches, and it's it, it, there's also some very serious things too because it does uh, have to do with the clash between Protestants and Catholics in Northern Ireland. It's the very beginning of that. Uh, conflict, uh, which would go on for many many years. Um, so it, it does have that. Uh, you know, serious aspect too, but uh, it mixes all these things beautifully, and I, I did enjoy the film. I will note that Katrina Balf, she's her main thing is Outlander, this this series on stars. She's been oh, like the lead, right. she's like the lead character on the show Outlander, but she was also she was Christian Bale's wife in Ford v Ferrari a couple of years ago. 
Uh, oh, okay. Among other a few things, not too, not too many things, but the Outlanders, like that's the big thing that she's known for. And if you don't watch that show, which I don't, then you know you wouldn't have <laughs> too much familiarity in that regard. Uh, Marcus, I am curious, where did you fall on Belfast? Okay, so uh, I'm gonna agree with Mark. Is that can I do that? What? I know. Oh, I think I, I came in a little tiny smidge less than than you. Like I liked it a little bit less than you, but I will say a lot of the things you're saying, it's charming. Um, I think the actual story was pretty standard, and I and I and it sounds kind of weird saying you know a story about what the Northern Ireland riots is kind of standard. It's the levity and the and the kind of uh, the coming of age children stuff and the grandparents playful banter and words of wisdom and that's the heart of Belfast. That's the that's the reason to go see this if you're going to see this the 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 love letter to American cinema and stuff like that. Um, I had a similar going. I went in knowing this was. An Oscar contender. There's a lot of buzz to this. Um, my expectations were kind of high. Um, and while it's extremely charming, and it had me caring about this particular family, I, I wouldn't regard it as one of the best films of 2000 uh, uh, of, of, of 2021. Um, I think it's kind of it's enjoyable, but it's not for me. I'll go a little step further and say it wasn't memorable. Yeah, that's that's what I'll say. Performances great, cinematography it's outstanding, just not memorable. I um, we're kind of all in agreement here. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious if one of you guys could be like standing hard for Belfast, but uh, yeah. apparently not. We're all just pretty much like, yeah, it exists. Um, yeah, I, I might be even lesser on it than you guys, but because okay. I. I can agree individually moments involving the cinematography are pretty splendid. Um, there are a lot of choices that Brana is making, which is not new for Brana. He's a guy that never saw an angle. He couldn't Dutch. Um, so it's like, yeah, all right. He's going to, he's, he's going to go all out with this, like his passion project of slow motion and the black and white and the color transitions and the, the, the canted angles as mentioned and whatnot. Like there's so much here. My problem, among other issues I have, is that he can't really settle on a tone for this thing or a style. It feels like it's a a jumble of stuff going on to be like, mm-hmm. look at look at all these things. My childhood, it's wild, wasn't it? Like, and it's like, well, do, do you need all of this? <laughs> like, I like the black and white thing. That's a fun that that seems like a fun idea for a transition. But as far as the entire film being black and white, it's like I don't know what this really adds to it. The, yeah. the there's like some handheld moments to like really emphasize the danger of some of the rioting. It's like okay, fine, and it's, I guess like it, that stuff might have worked better for me if I cared more about these people I was following. Now Jude, <laughs> little Jude Hill, he's great. He oh. does his job. He's one of these adorable kids yeah. that you're like, yeah, he's gonna be right. in something nice hopefully later on. Like that'll be cool. Like and you'd be like, oh yeah, I remember him from that one movie, Belfast. Just I like, can't believe uh, I didn't even I didn't even talk about him, and he was like my favorite actor in the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, I, he's very he's very he's a he's a good young. And the lad. camera, there's something about his face. You know, there's lots of close-ups of his little. There are. He's got this like yeah. cher- cherubic little face, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. it, it, he emphasizes that. And he is, I mean, it's it's cinematic. I mean, so yeah, yeah just to your point, I, I agree. Yeah, and. 
I mean, he's like none of the cat. The cast isn't bad here. You have a good cast. I think Balfe is very good as the mom. Jamie Dornan's very good as the father. Judy Dench yes. and Sierra Hines, they're veterans. They're obviously great. Can my, we talk about Jamie Dornan singing? We will. We will. We'll get there. But my issue, <laughs> we'll, my issue with all of them is, as good as they are as actors, their characters are all incredibly thin. Like there's there's nothing to any of them. They're all almost just archetypes. I I think the performances imbue them with more because they're good performances, but there's just there there's nothing there. And now that comes from perspective because we're following largely Buddy's point of view, right? Like so, he's not right. he's not going to have the most in depth understanding of you know the riots taking place outside of his door, let alone the complex relationship between his father and mother, father who goes to London multiple days of the week to work and what. Like I get that we're not you know we're supposed to be you know a few steps away from what exactly is going on. But I mean, it it didn't aid this movie as far as me, you know, feeling much for it. Like things happen by the end of this, significant things that happen to certain characters or certain choices that are made, where I couldn't find myself latching on in any significant way. It's just like, okay, that happened. Like, I, well, I'm not unsympathetic to the plights of certain characters, but at the same time, I know the movies like this that have done this stuff better, and it's because the characters are more well drawn or. There's just something extra there, let alone a longer runtime. I'm not. I don't think this movie's too long or too short, but it oh, just over 90 minutes. It's not a, like you said, Mark. There's just not a lot here. Like it's not that deep, and so it's like, yeah. I really, I'd be. I would have been happy to walk into a coming of age Kenneth Branagh drama that has nice elements and makes you feel all warm inside, but it just kind of left me feeling not much. <laughs> like, so that was my takeaway from it. I think a part of the problem is, and I don't know what mindset you saw this film, but I, I there was, I had the idea that this might actually win best picture. And I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it could be, that would be a very no weak way. best picture. I yeah. completely agree. Uh, <laughs> It'd be yeah, a very yeah. safe choice and not in a good way. Well, it, it's not even, it's not even just about being safe. It's just sort of it's like, weak. like you said, there's not there's enough not here. There, yeah. And I don't want to, but I don't want to criticize because I think I'm the most positive of the three of us. Mm -hmm. I, if I had walked in this film knowing nothing and just walked in and I would be like walking out saying, oh, yeah, that was quite sweet and nice. And, you know, it was in black and white and it had elements of cinema paradiso because sure. I think that I think the movie Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is awful. Like, I think it's a, ter <laughs> it, it's a terrible film. It's boring and 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 just the word it's not good but he actually inspired feelings of nostalgia for the film because he loves the film yeah and he, he and they're all singing that horrible chitty chitty bang bang chitty chitty bang in the theater it's a it, anyway i just i don't share his, <laughs> i don't share his it, it i actually chitty chitty bang bang is one of my uh, uh, along with uh the rex harrison version of uh dr doolittle our verse our <laughs> Horrible, horrible children, you know, things. And I, I don't even think Hollywood thinks they're good either. But, no, but they, were not, a, they were nominated, uh, yeah. they were nominated for Oscars. Dr. Doolittle is one of, like, the most unabashedly, like, terrible Best Picture nominees of all time. And, it and that's and it's, pure, it's purely from money. It's purely from campaigning and, like, Oscar politics. Not because of, like, oh, yeah, people really liked it. No, they fucking didn't. Okay. The movie bombed. All right. like, <laughs> so we're, we're all on the same page on that. But so Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is that. But anyway, he loves the film. And obviously um, – and there's a scene where they're like, you know, the 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 car sprouts 
wings and and they feel like they're actually falling in the theater and i sort of i sort of embraced that because i thought okay well there are things that you loved as a child that it's hard to explain why you loved them but as a child you did and so i got i sort of was picking up what kenneth brana was putting down even mm-hmm. if i didn't share all of his points of view so i liked all that but there's it's very it's it's superficial you know it's not it there's nothing deep here it, and that's and that's my issue like i do think it's trying to cash in a certain kind of nostalgia and that's fine nostalgia's fine but that's really it right i mean it's you know it's a bag of chips like it just kind of goes away i i can agree with you as far as if i did walk into this movie in a vacuum maybe there'd be more that i could appreciate out of it but yes mm-hmm. it i did go in knowing the kind of esteem that it already had earned from its various festival showings thinking okay kenneth Branagh. He's he's gotten that away from, you know, his his Hercule Poirot movies and his um, well, his his, Artemis, Artemis his, his, his his highly acclaimed oh. Artemis Fowl and um and he's doing yeah. like one of these big personal dramas. I'm like, okay, cool, let's see how that goes. And yeah, it just it didn't do much for me. And it's not for lack of okay. trying. I was excited to see the movie, and I've certainly walked in the movies before that I was excited for that I already received acclaim and you know walked out thinking, yep, that's why. This one, not so much. I just don't, don't. I don't have. I didn't get the, didn't get the itch for Belfast. I, I, just, just to pile on one more, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're, um, we're all positive in, on it, though. Right? We are, we're yeah. All positive on it. We're all positive. Although on it. I did still um, expect to fight over this a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, uh, the poster of this uh, has uh, Buddy uh, jumping. Or something. He's jumping, and it really, hard, it really reminded me of um, Billy Elliot. Yes, very much. Oh, right. And when I, <laughs> yes. when I was going through this movie, and I was like, why am I not liking this more? And I was like, maybe I wanted Billy Elliot. Maybe that's, oh, that's what exactly I wanted. What I something want. that was feeling like Billy Elliot, where there's charming, a lot of charm in Billy Elliot, but there's also grounded in this fierce kind of hard. Working class reality. And that movie's a fantasy. Of... Like it takes place in a fictional town with yeah. a fictional mind strike or whatever going on. Like it's not even right. real in that movie. Marcus, let me tell you something. I fucking love <laughs> Billy Elliot. That movie rules. Right. Like it's it it so good. It's amazing. So yeah. I, I didn't need Belfast to like be Billy Elliot, but I, I know what you're saying as far as there there's clearly a way to do this story well, where it has this the... kind of fantastical bent that shows you a certain side of things and has unconventional ideas, yet you still have right. this grounded family element. That stuff is that, – that can easily work. This one just didn't really get there. Well, but, and part of the thing is Billy has a focused narrative. Yes. And Belfast – and I think he, it's intentional, but sure. Belfast is just kind of this like, oh, here's a little thing and here's another thing. It's and episodic. these are events. It feels episodic. Right, right. And, and I've, seen, I've seen films like that that I, I – think are you know yeah i really connected with this one um not as much but i i the the episodic nature of the film did not bother me i was i kind of got that okay here we're going to have a part where there's a riot happening and he's got his little trash can lid and his uh sword and then in the next moment he's you know at the movie theater enjoying you know one uh one million years bc so i mean it was like up and down i i, I didn't mind that and that's what mm-hmm. Elliot has is Billy Elliot. It's 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 got this focus. It's got like, a strong you know. narrative. You're you're not wrong. Yeah. yeah, it's different in that regard. I will say this about the episodic nature of it because it didn't necessarily bother me, but there are two areas where it did. Um, one is, I mean, we'll, we can talk about it now, Mark. It is that singing sequence with the father <laughs> and the mother listening to it. With <laughs> it's sort of, yeah. It's yeah. What did, what did you want to say about Jamie Dornan singing? 
Well, I actually I enjoyed it. I mean, I I liked it, but it was just sort of stuck in there, like it, like oh wow, this this is just sort of. And you know, to be honest, that scene reminded me a little bit of some of the stuff that I saw in Last Night in Soho with the the music of uh, you know the the past and, yes. and sort of that that nature of it. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, Last Night in Soho, I love the soundtrack. Of it's that a great. Movie. Oh, like, do it a lot. <laughs> It's. I mean, it's. It's like a, a. It's a tour of like a lot of the the great British female singers of you know the UK like uh, Lulu and and Dusty Springfield mm-hmm. etc. Um, there's other stuff in there too, but that's sort the of the Kinks, focus yeah. of it. Yeah, and and it's also it's 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 about a woman who wants to become. A, I want to get onto Last Night in Soho. I actually think I like Last Night Soho even more as time goes on. It's growing I, it's on really, you. I feel it. Yeah, it it, it really <laughs> it is. But um, but but I I like the I like the scene. It, did you find it manipulative? Did no, you think it no, was... I, I agree with you. I like the scene. I think it's a really oh. well done scene. It's nice. Okay. It's passionate. It's it's I the song like it works for you know the white man singing the song. But whatever, it's it's fine. Like it's a good song. <laughs> but mm-hmm. what got me is its placement in the movie because it comes after something pretty significant that happens, and suddenly we're watching this scene and like, why is this here right now? <laughs> like, I don't I I don't quite like. Like I, everything's fine. It's everything's fine, and it's like I get, I un, I understand on the whole what it's trying to do, but you know, given that this is like a pivotal scene that the marketing's based a lot around and everything, it's like this is where this mo- this comes into the movie. <laughs> like this is this, and then and there's no real like, there's no start to it, there's no stop to it. It's just like here it is. Here's the here's the song and dance number, and it again on its own, it's great. It's a great little sequence. That and so that's that scene. The other, the other. I, I will. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, so go ahead. I was just, just going to say that mm-hmm. it's clear that Kenneth Branagh. I mean, this is a love letter to his parents because yes. they. I mean, he idolizes them. I mean, they're almost like movie stars in uh-huh. this movie. You oh, know? they're I mean, very they, much they cast are, that way, and it's very deliberate. That seems very clear to me. Like he wants to present yeah, them. In but this. it's it's so idealized. Yes. I mean, like there's you know people have all sorts of different experiences as they remember their parents. This is like one of the most glowing, warm reminiscence of a jamie dornan is his dad mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, they're, they're both they're both pretty charismatic yeah. actually they're both, they're, they're, I mean, they're, both dan- you know, they're both like while models he's singing, like their she's looks dancing <laughs> yeah well and while he's singing there she's dancing and she's she's very captivating as well right i don't know so there's that scene the other scene and i can't describe this in full because it's the end but it's based on you know, how we start this movie, which is on Buddy, versus who we end this movie with. And I just kept thinking, why? Like, I don't, like, I don't, I, I that, that's kind of, that, that kind of summed up why I just couldn't connect to this thing. Because I don't think the movie seems to have its own center, like, under, under control. Like, it's like, why, this is. It did, this it did the, seem this like there the was supposed to be some here? kind of narration at the end with Buddy. Out of you being an adult or something like oh blah 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 like some kind of stand by me kind of and it just, ending that was cut out even if that even if that's not the, even if it's just like we just want to end on a certain kind of image I just think it, this just feels more like the economy of characters and who makes sense from some kind of okay. standpoint that I just don't get because <laughs> I don't I don't know what that achieves by doing it that way it just was. It it just it hit me as far as like okay so we just like really just had a gaggle of scenes like all jumbled together to like form something here like I don't think Kenneth Branagh is unaware of what he's doing I do think the movie's exactly what it's trying to be it's just this connection thing for me and the fact that I couldn't connect to these characters more 
that rubbed me the wrong way when it came time to some, having to you know feel something for them. Like, which is, again, that's why Buddy, Jude Hill, is so good at this thing. Like, I do think, like, everything he does and everything, like, he goes through down to, you know, the little girl that maybe has a crush on him that he has a crush on. It's like, that stuff's all solid. Like, that stuff really works because it's it's innocent and it's not, you know, it doesn't doesn't force me to have to take, like, 17 steps to understand what's going on here. Um, What else? The, um... Well, what do you guys think of like the? I know you, you've already talked. You, like you like the cinematography. There were aspects of like the filmmaking that you appreciated a lot from a visual standpoint. Uh, it's a very stylish movie, obviously. I think there were some sequences where where he's talking with uh with his grandfather. The buddy's talking with his grandfather, uh-huh. and the entire backdrop of it, it is just we're just seeing through windows or we're seeing a a courtyard or something. And it looks fantastic. It, those struck me more than the close extreme close-ups of Jimmy Dornan's face or whatever those other, the, some of the more actiony sequences, those kind of just still shots were kind of very, uh, very artistic, very picturesque kind of uh, landscape. Yeah with two people just talking. And I, that's what I really appreciate about the cinematography. They, everything looks very well set up. Even it put, it put, the scenes like that, scenes. scenes like that played off the widescreen that I liked, where you have like Kieran Hines and Joe Jude Hill, like they're just talking on like one end of the screen. And then like Judy Dench starts speaking from a window behind them. And it's like, I didn't realize right. she was even there until she's like, started right. saying something. I thought there's a, there's some clever framing in that regard. Right. Mark, exactly. Mark, how about you? Were there like visual things you appreciated for this film? Yeah, I mean, I think the just the decision to film the movie in black and white was a good one, and I I do think it is stylish. Um, so I, I I liked it. I I you could say it's a little bit manipulative because you think well you know movies are usually in color, so the decision to film it in black and white is a little bit of a push to like give it some sort of added significance. But I I think it was a good choice, and and I and I liked it. It wanted to remind you how special Chitty Chitty, Chitty, Chitty Bang Bang is, so it needed, to, it needed to make sure everything else was black and white. So when you got to those brilliant scenes of the car flying, so and that's a little bit, a little eye rolling when he's in the movie theater and it's in color, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is you know, when he's fully alive, it, 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 he's at the theater. <laughs> but uh, Kieran Hines and um, Judy Dench, so they are fine. You know, in their roles, but they're like Aaron. I think you said it's they're underdeveloped. I mean, and that's fine. They're not meant to be major characters of the film. But I'm hearing Oscar talk for these two, yeah. and mm-hmm. I just like, what did they do? I, I, <laughs> I can think of ten other, uh, more than ten actors in each category that I would rather get a nomination than either of them. No disrespect to either of these. I mean, they're great despians, but this is not their best work. And this is not a. I think I think they, you know, they read the scripts and said, oh, this looks like a nice film to be a part of. I I think even they would say I would not expect to be nominated for this film because there's just not enough there. This this just feels like we're old friends of Kenneth's and he wanted us to be in his movie. (laughs) That's what it it reads as like Judy. Judy Dench was in Henry V. Like, I mean, she's she's known him forever. Like it. Because that was so long ago, 1989. <laughs> but um, it's they've been, they've been around for, but yeah, I know what you're saying. It's it's the kind of thing that bugs because it's like, I mean, Kieran Hines. It's not like he's nominated all the time. I don't think he's been nominated at all, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Judy Dench is yeah. she's one. But you know, it's the kind of thing where 
you know, it's like we we can nominate other people, guys. We don't have to nominate Judy Dench because we like her. Like, I mean, there's like other people out right. there like, that could deserve an award <laughs> and deserve some attention here. And, and to be honest, I mean, I think the greatest performance of the film is is the is the, the child boy. actor Jude. Yeah. Yes, Jude Hill. Yeah, and then, and then in a you know maybe a second would be uh, Katrina Balfe because I I think she has you know, but I I, I think even there are other actresses you know in that category that i i would rather see sure nominated i i don't even think the there isn't even i mean what is the buzz surrounding jude hill i i don't even think uh, he's a little child because... they don't nominate little children for these yeah. things <laughs> like, you know, remind i mean roman griffin davis or yeah. the guy from uh Jojo Jojo Rabbit Rabbit. yeah got a lot of buzz yeah, but you didn't get a Best Actor nomination. I like if you know if this got anything, it'd be like Golden Globe or Indie Spirit Award. Like you know, but there's not gonna okay. give an Oscar nomination for this movie. <laughs> no, no, no. Most charming newcomer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, if, if, they, forget, if the Golden Globe still had the newcomer award, they do that for sure. <laughs> I don't know who said it first, but somebody once said that a great child performance is really the work of a great director. And I would say that's true. It's, it's the director that extracts that performance out of the child. So if anybody should get credit for that, it would be Kenneth Branagh, but you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think Jude Hill's drawing drawing out of uh, his his lifelong uh, horrors dealing with the troubles uh, from Belfast in the early seventies. Um, I've skillfully avoided saying this, but like <laughs> even, even with the, the esteem this film had and the love, whatever level of excitement I had to see this movie early on, it was hard for me not to just think this is just white Roma. And having now seen the movie (laughs) where I was half joking about that, it really is just white Roma. Like that's what really got to be like the, no, but but the thing is, so I would have to disagree because Roma was extremely powerful. And oh, it deep. is. No, I mean, what, like, saying, saying right Roma doesn't mean it's equivalent to Roma. <laughs> I mean, it's just okay. in, in terms of. No, the, no, I, it, I, I think that Roma was, you know, among the the very best of that year. And it was a, a extremely powerful yeah. film. So I, I completely yeah. agree. My my problem now is watch this movie get nominated and like somehow beat the odds and fucking win Best Picture. Where it's like, what did Roma not yeah. do to get Best Picture that year? Like this this and I'm not saying this movie replicates every exact beat. Although if you watch the trailer for this and that, the trailers are very similar. But it, it what, does feel like are... it does it does feel like this movie exists because someone else made a black and white autobiographical story about their young life in a certain town uh, accompanied yeah. by their family drama and very political unrest in the background. Like it's hard to not see the connections between these two things. What are people saying? What are I I have I've not read any Well it reviews, won the Toronto What are the it, what are the it won the. What are the it, positive reviews? It well, it won oh, the no. it won the audience award at TIFF, which is always a huge thing. Those films always yeah. get nominated. Um, it won various awards at other film festivals that have happened since then. Uh, there are a lot of rave reviews for this movie. There are also a lot of you know mixed reviews and some average ones. Like not, it's not unanimous, but you know, there's a lot of positivity out there for this film. Yeah, what gets nominated at the Oscars and the critical acclaim is are slightly different things, but. It is definitely a front runner for Best Picture because it's I a mean, very it's, friendly it's, movie. I can yeah. see an older Oscar audience, you know, liking the movie because it's a it's a likable movie. I have issues with it, but I can't deny that there's something there that will make a certain kind of audience member be like, "Oh, that was nice." Does that amount to but, the, would, it's it was nice, therefore it needs the Best Picture? 
I don't know. So Tell like, that to the Green Book fans, but I, I don't know. Right, right, right. That's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna bring up. Gonna See, say, so to be honest, movie like Green so Book, I like Green Book, Book so much as you know. I, we all we all did here. As much as we like to bash but, on it, we did I, like the movie. So I don't know how you guys feel. I think Green Book is better than Belfast. I would agree. I do think it is because the characters are stronger. And there's <laughs> more deeper, things in least. it. There's more things to to hang on to. This is. Yeah. It, it's it's like you guys said. It's episodic. It, it, there's there's stuff here. It's enjoyable, but is it best picture of 2021? Like, no, not that. Mm-hmm. You could argue Green Book is in kind of someone's top ten, but you know, it was in my top ten. But I, this is not, and this is going to end up in a lot of people's top ten from what I'm hearing. Well, we'll see. There's only so much to say about that in that regard at this stage, and then we'll, you know, we'll have our Oscar shows and our award shows later on, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, we'll, we'll see if the world turns on this movie by January yeah. or not. <laughs> see, to be honest, it, it seems like the kind of film that people would turn on. You know, I, I don't get know. That. I at the same time, then it, you know, it goes all the way back around again. I mean, that was great. I, know what I, I like, hate being like, put in the position of of you know, hating on a film that I actually enjoyed. So I, I did enjoy Belfast, but then I don't, I don't want to see it win best picture. Oh, no, I, I know will, what you mean. This I will yeah. go on record. All, all of us have films that every year we're like, well, I liked it, but does it need this much praise? Like, you know, you always get that feeling and it's, you know, some just stand out more as far as like how much your, how much separation there is between liking something and liking it to that kind of degree. But um, anyway, just talking circles at this point. What, what, where should people see? When should people see Belfast? It's currently playing in theaters once again. Mark, when should people see this movie? Well, so I mean, I enjoyed the movie, so I, w- I would say theaters. I, I, I liked it, and I think it will look ni- the black and white cinematography on the big screen. I think will be more powerful. Marcus, um, I, you know, is there a thing right under theater? Yeah, there's Dollar Theater or stream it on Netflix yeah, or whatever. Yeah, Dollar Theater. Dollar Theater, yeah. Um, I, I thought it was charming. You're going to have a, a pleasant evening, I would say. A pleasant <laughs> evening. So. You'll have a, you'll have a, you'll have a, a modest dinner, a, a nice dessert right, perhaps, like, and so, uh, you know, enjoy like your For example, evening. Marcus, you like Spencer, yeah. but Spencer is not a pleasant evening. That's going to, you know – it, yes. that's gonna like make you feel Ugh. so yeah the, oh, of course it's it's me there's 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 a, a lot of movies that I, I i i loved the eternals but would i recommend it to little kids no so yeah there, there's gonna be there's gonna be these movies that i i i really did enjoy spencer i think i enjoyed it more than anybody here but yeah i i i wouldn't recommend it for everyone as far as if they want to see some kind of like fluffy getaway kind of actually enjoy. marcus i i take your you, you know middling praise of belfast as high praise like <laughs> i i was actually i was exp- I suspect- charming is not my thing yeah but calling it charming is is high praise to me because i kind of suspect- it was charming i smiled a lot. yeah yeah no, and I, I, I'm so happy to hear that because I, <laughs> I suspected I you would not like this film. I, no, yeah, I, I had a feeling you'd like it about the much as I do, and I thought Mark you'd like it a little. I mean, you do like it a little bit more than I do, so I mean, we're about on par. This is going back and forth, but I, I thought maybe Aaron, you thought I would absolutely love Belfast. No, I mean, I, I, I figured you'd like it, but I. 
I know you well enough where I'm like, you're not going to go over the moon for this. You can see through this stuff. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I wasn't – maybe you know me better than I know myself. But... I'm, pretty, I'm pretty good at this. I'm pretty good. I'm doing, doing this a little bit. I was walking into this movie – I mean, of course, you had already seen it, so then you know what I'm going to watch. But I was walking into this movie like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to watch my favorite film of the year. Yeah. And I, I walked out like, mm, that was pleasant. I would agree with Marcus, by the way, with Dollar Theater. I think it's like, yeah, it's worth seeing, but I mean, and I fully expect other people to like this more than I do. Like, that's not going to be a surprise to me. And I'm not going to discourage Kenneth Branagh from being creative in this regard as well, as far as making movies well, this like is this. A, this. And we'll talk about this later, but uh, this is a good direction for Kenneth Branagh in his, uh, sorry for this film term, but oeuvre. I think this is <laughs> this is one of, this is one of his better ones. It's one of his better films in some time. Sure, like I like Orient Express, but I mean, yeah, it's been a while ah. since he's had. I liked Orient Express. Okay, but I like. I'm not saying it's amazing. I'm just saying I liked it. But um, but I, but right. but compared but, to you know, but but you know, out around that you have fucking Artemis Fowl and Jack Ryan Chatterer, which are awful movies. So yes, by yeah. that by that regard, I very much like Murder on the Orient Express better. He but yes, he's I, kind I, of inconsistent. I, I mean, oh, he's no, he's not a great. He's, he's, he does not have a great filmography. <laughs> like in regards, in sort but, of just directing films. I mean, he's got these things like henry the fifth and then he's doing things like you know like you said jack, jack ryan. ryan and like yeah. how is that the same director yeah. like his cinderella is good like that's one of the better of the right. live action so remakes. that that would i that's my for the last film that i really enjoyed from him it, it would be cinderella i think that actually as far as live action disney films are concerned that's that's one pretty, of the best easily it is. great yeah uh, all right we've talked a lot about belfast so let's um Let's move on now. Let's get to our what uh what time is it? Oh, I think it's time for uh it's time for a game. <laughs> Marcus, I'm with you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Solidarity. That was of course the improv theme for games. And while Abe was not able to join us this week, he did send me the game that he prepared for us to play. Obviously I can't play it, but I cannot wait to play this, to announce this game for you guys. Uh, it is called Name That Princess. Okay. And what I'm going to do... <laughs> I This is actually pretty fun. I'm, I'm going off of Abe's instructions here. He says, I'm going to list off five characters from a movie, and you have to name the princess this movie is associated with. Okay. These characters are associated with, sorry. So I'm going to name five characters from a movie, and you have to name the you have to identify what princess we're referring to. Make sense? Okay. Yeah. So you want the princess, not the movie. Okay. Okay. Here's the first one. Great. Let's get this over with. <laughs> Here's the first one. <laughs> Chip, Cogsworth, Mrs. Potts, Lefou. Oh, Mark. Mark. Well, that was Belle. Belle is the correct answer. You're on the board. Here's the next one. <laughs> that's from Beauty and the Beast, by the way, for everyone that's listening. <laughs> so, All right. Here we go. Here's the next one. You said the princess. No, no, no you're, you're said. correct. I said, yes, the, the answer is the princess. Here we go. Here's the next one. Bail Organa. Ben Solo. R2-D2. Oh, Marcus. Marcus. Princess Leia. Princess Leia is the correct answer. Cool, oh, Marcus, you got yes. a point. There you go. Game over. <laughs> I with I had a five point handicap and I'm done. Okay, here we go. Here's the next one. They all get more fun. 
Prince Naveen, Charlotte Levouf, Mama Odie, Ray. Mark, um, Princess Tiana. Princess Tiana is the correct answer. The princess and the frog, Marcus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. You didn't get the yeah. black princess, Marcus. I know. I wasn't. You know, I'm not, I wasn't a big fan. I'll admit it on this show, since none of my black friends are watch, are listening to this one. So your black friends don't listen to Out and Health Air today. Not, you... not this one. Not this one. <laughs> this is not this. Not not this episode. <laughs> uh, Doctor Facilier was the the last the last one on that list, by the way. Um, uh, and but, but Marcus, you're wrong. That movie's great. It's a, it's a really nice movie. Uh, I'm I you know I know it's a good movie. One of the one of the last times Disney did hand drawn yeah. animation. Yeah, and then it, and then they opened it awkwardly because they opened it a a week after Thanksgiving for some reason in limited release. And then they're like, how did this movie not make money? <laughs> um, dumb. All right, next one. Peter Pan. Gingerbread Man. Pinocchio. Donkey. Lord Farquaad. Uh, Marcus. Marcus. Fiona? Fiona. Is, is that the, her name? That is the correct answer. Fiona. From Shrek. All right. You're on okay. the board. All right. Again. I got confused with Peter Pan, but then as you went on, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's Shrek. Here's the next one. Close game, guys. Tie score. All right. King Stefan. Queen Leia. Flora. Fauna. Mark. Mary, Mark. Princess Aurora. Princess Sleeping Aurora Beauty. is the, from Believe in Beauty, the correct answer. There you go. Go back and forth here, guys. Here's the next one. <laughs> Lady Iboshi. Jigo. Gonza. Mark? Mark? Is it Moana? It's not Moana. Oh, okay, sorry. Gonza. Ashitaka. Marcus? Marcus? Is that Mulan? It's not Mulan. Ah, jeez. The answer was Princess Mononoke. Mm. Okay. The Studio Ghibli film. I wasn't going to get that one. Here's the next one. Grandma Tala, Chief Tui, Tamatoa, Hehe, Maui. Oh, uh, oh, Marcus. Mark. Marcus? That's Moana. That is yeah. Moana. You had to remember your name there, but you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Tie score, guys. Let's just call it even. You got a few more. Everybody wins. You got a few more. Here's the next one. Abu, Iago, oh, Marcus, Mar- Marcus, that's Jasmine. Hand on the buzzer. Look at that. You're you, you're pulling up in the lead here. Here we go. It's <laughs> the only one I know. Yeah, the Sultan Jafar and Genie. The rest of those ones. All right. Here's the next one. Vladimir, Dimitri, Sophie, Bartok, Rasputin. Vladimir, Dimitri, Sophie, Bartok, Rasputin. Uh, I don't have no idea. I, I don't know. This is a 90s film. It's a Fox animated film. No one knows their Russian history? <laughs> oh, 
Mark uh, Anastasia? Uh, Anastasia is the correct answer. Damn it. Rasputin wasn't giving it away for you guys. I thought I was going to do it. All right. Here we go. Two more. I've, I've never actually seen that film. It's I've good. never seen it either. It's a good movie. Yeah. Here we go. Count Rugen. <laughs> Miracle Max. Vizzini. Wesley. Mark. Mark. The Princess Bride? That is correct. Do you know the princess's name? Um, I can't. I don't know it offhand. Robin Wright. He goes, Princess well, Robin Wright. <laughs> Marcus, do you know it? I don't. I know Wesley was the guy. Yes, he was. I'm going to give you the point, Mark, because you, you, you got the right track. It's Princess Buttercup. Oh, Buttercup, yes. Yeah. Here's the last one. Fergus, Eleanor, Lord McIntosh, Lord McGuffin. Marcus. L- Marcus? It's, oh no. I don't know her name. <laughs> it's just the redhead one. The Brave. redhead one. Brave. Uh, oh, Mark. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't know I know her name. Her name. Mark? Okay, go ahead. Princess Merid- Merida. Yes, Merida is the correct answer. Merida. Mark, <laughs> right there at the end. You pulled up into the lead, Marcus. You did it. You put up a va- you, like, you put up a prince valiant effort. Okay, you did a good job. You were right on the board. You were neck and neck. I Mark- feel like Mark was like playing kind of like half ass against <laughs> me, and then he was just like, "I'm tired. I gotta go to dinner." And then he just was dunking on me. <laughs> I'm over that. I'm done. No, I I was trying. It was a close game, guys. But Mark, you came out on top. Congratulations, you won this week's game. Yay! You won name that princess. I know, like, while we were playing, there were people screaming at their <laughs> thing, like, it's this! I, I know this to be true because when I listen to podcasts and people say the wrong thing, I scream into my car stereo. And, like, I, this, is not, I this is not correct. <laughs> then I violently hit my car. <laughs> oh, Anastasia. I'm sure that, like, that was one because we couldn't get He's, that. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, people were yelling, Buttercup! Because they, they're devotees to the Princess Bride. Um, but no, good game. Good effort. Thank you for the game, Abe. Uh, we miss you here this week, but thank you for supplying said game. Let's yeah, move on now. Let's thanks. get to uh, let's get to some out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. feedback. Uh, yeah, there we go. Terrific. Terrific job. <laughs> that was good. That's that's like we should hold that as a recording and just play, press the button every time we need that. <laughs> I've heard it enough times that I yeah. can duplicate it. When you were doing it, I was picturing Jamie Dornan on stage, pulling back his arm and firing that arrow. Wow, that's high (laughs) praise. Thank you. (laughs) This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page. Facebook.com says out now podcast. We have a number of questions to listeners. They get some answers. So here we go. Uh, Feel free to yell out some answers if you have any. Favorite film is about the British royal family. Chris writes The Madness of King George and Elizabeth. Any favorite films about the British royal family? How about the the Queen with Helen Mirren? That's a good one. That was good, yeah. Spencer, of course. Um, King Ralph, I'll right? With John Goodman, everyone knows that movie. <laughs> of course, yes. King Ralph. That's about the royal family. Of course it is. All, they like. Okay. Have you ever seen King I, Ralph? I won't dispute it because you, I, I don't have the knowledge to to do so. But have okay. you ever seen that movie, Mark? Like, no, no, I haven't. That's what... here. This is what this from what I recall. This is what happens. There. They're all taking a um a, a family portrait photo 
and like they all like die from the photo somehow. And so like the entire Roy family's dead, and they're like, well, there was this one time when they had a relationship across the seas, and John Goodman was the result of it. So I guess he's the king now. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> this is a movie that happened. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, uh, the favorite. And had Peter O'Toole in it. Yeah, Peter O'Toole's the, the coach, obviously. <laughs> Obviously. So the favorite comes to mind. It's a pick for that. Oh, yes. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. I also, uh, wait, wait, what's next here? Uh, what are your favorite films regarding Northern Ireland in some way? Chris writes The Crying Game, and Ruben has Far and Away, which I think is Far and Away, one of Tom Cruise's worst movies. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Did you just come up with that? No, the, yes, the, I did. <laughs> In the name of the Father. That's that's a great one. Yes. That's yes. Yeah. Love that film. Um, Hunger, the Michael Fassbender, uh, Steve McQueen oh, yeah. film. Yeah, um, it's, mm-hmm. a, yeah. it's that's Speaking of fun watches after dinner, <laughs> that's one of them. Right? Especially after you Charming. eat something. Especially after you eat something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Next, next one. What's your favorite Kristen Stewart performance? Chris writes, um, big mixed bag, probably underwater. Uh, Ruben has Panic Room. I'm going to say like The Chris Clouds or Sills Maria. Oh. oh, that's great, too. What'd you yeah. say, Marcus? Personal Shopper. I, I like doing that. I mean, they're both assay ass movies. Like, I'm on board with both of those. They're both really good movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see, next question. You know, um, yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, still Alice, also, she has a small part in that, and I thought she was good in that. For a movie that I am not a big fan oh, yeah. of, I agree with it's you. Not yeah, it's, spectacular. It's, it's not spectacular. There's good performances. Julia Moore, I guess it was her time, so to speak. But um, exactly. But no, those there's some good support there. Um, yeah. Next question: What's your favorite Kenneth Branagh directed film? Luke Thompson, friend of the show, writes Frankenstein. Chris writes Easy, Peter's Friends, and Ruben has Cinderella. I do I, like Frankenstein. You think it's you, Frankenstein? Yeah. Okay. I'm cool with him. I'd say my favorite would be Henry V, but a close second is Dead Again. I have not seen Dead Again in, like, years, so I have, like, very little memory of it. I watched Henry V earlier this week, though, because I, I saw Belfast, and I was so... <laughs> I was such in a mood about it because I'm like, I'm not impressed by this as nearly as I feel like I should have been. So I'm like, let me watch Henry V. And I'm like, this is so clearly his best movie. <laughs> like, I just think he came out the gate so strong. And it's been like, not necessarily all downhill, but like, there's a lot of not great movies on his list of movies he's directed yeah. since then. And Henry V is such a like, and I'm not even like, and here's Joe, the thing. I'm not Joe Shakespeare. It's like, I like a lot of adaptations, but I'm not like so, clamoring for them all the time. I'm, I'm far from joe shakespeare i i actually am not a big fan of william shakespeare but i feel like he made henry v come alive for me so that's i i, I for me to pick that film is, is is saying a lot it's a really good adaptation i enjoyed it i uh i i saw hamlet in high school his like six hour version of hamlet it's not that long but still it's it's a, it's a long movie and it's like well he did the book I'm that's for sure fan of that. <laughs> yeah. i know I, I yeah i it's a movie. It's, it's, yeah. But, um, actually, as far as Shakespeare stuff, go real quick. Have you ever seen Richard the Third, the Ian McKellen one? Mm-mm. 
No. I have not. It's a good movie. I watched that also because I watched Henry V and it was also it was on Canopy and like, oh cool, I want to see Richard III. It's really it's like this alternate history take where it's set like in World War II times, but the oh, Richard III more and, modern, yeah, yeah, more modern. And it, it's it, it's you know it's not like this exactly, but it almost reminds me of like V for Vendetta as far as like a kind of parallel oh. universe that's like modern enough but kind of, but like has this kind of fascistic take on it. It's really good and Ian McKellen's great in it. It, uh, it's, it's got some boobs. I was impressed by that one quite a bit. Anyway, <laughs> next question. Uh, what are some great films about someone stuck in a life they don't want to be a part of? Uh, Chris writes The Truman Show. That's a great answer. Uh, and Ruben has The Shawshank Redemption. That's a good answer. Any Batmans? Uh, t- <laughs> Any Batmans? Okay. Any Batman. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, this is just like... I don't know. Tom Cruise and Edge of Tomorrow. Sure. I don't want to be stuck in that. Dying all the time. Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want my life. <laughs> well, before we move on, I'm reading the uh, the King Ralph synopsis. Go on. <laughs> and it's, it's You're just, still on that. It says, it says a regular guy from America becomes king of england after a royal wipeout puts him next in line i gotta it's 3.99 on prime i'm (laughs) you're you're mentally working out should i rent this that's what you're telling me right now i I mean a regular guy from america on it how can i resist um, this premise john goodman he's on the throne wearing a las vegas shirt I remember the movie poster, yeah. <laughs> You're just sitting there like, I mean, it's there. I should not not see it. <laughs> How much is my time worth right now? <laughs> yeah, wow. I, wow. All right. Here's the, here's the next one. <laughs> Who are some great movie grandparents? Chris writes Nana and Pop Pop and or for the, from The Visit. Sorry. So Hannah and Papa from the M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit. From right. The Visit? Yeah. Okay. They're great. Are you wanting, like, a <laughs> just memorable movie just... grandparents? That's what I'm saying. Oh, memorable. Can I name right. one? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Jack Albertson in Willy Wonka as Grandpa Joe. Oh, there you oh go. yeah. Okay. He slept in that bed with all those people. Uh... <laughs> But he, uh, he got out of his bed. He did get out of his You're not couple, wrong. Yeah. yeah. How about uh, Alan, Ar- Alan Arkin in Little Miss Sunshine? Oh, uh, that's a great oh, one. Yeah, of course, yeah. Mark, you loved uh, Robert De Niro in The War on Grandpa, right? And then you, couldn't, you couldn't stop seeing that movie? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a movie I started. I, I recall. <laughs> How about uh, Catherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda in, on Golden Pond? You old poop. Mm. Um, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that a best picture? Or did they did they both win? Did they both win best actor for the movie? Best actor? Did they really? I think so. I think so, won. right? I think they both won, yeah. <laughs> that looked that seems like Golden Globe kind of you know. No, they won. I'm, yeah, they won. <laughs> Couldn't get enough. Oh, speaking <laughs> of Princess Bride, how about uh, Peter Falk as uh, oh, Grandpa? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. 
coming in. Telling the story. Or Peter Falk, he runs in, he, he spreads his arm out, ta-da, like he zooms up. He's like, yeah, all right, Peter Falk's here. Why would I not be with, with uh, Just, I looked it up. Uh, on Golden Pond won Best Actor and Best Actress. Boom. So they both won. Wow. And, and Best Screenplay. Boom. Who wrote it? <laughs> and it was nominated for a bunch of other things, Oh, yeah, I know, it was, a, yeah, I know it was a huge... Including this is Best for Picture. Golden Globes? No, for Oscars. It won Oscars, baby. For- Oscar. Oscar. Yeah, you old poop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> Chariots of Fire won that year, but On Golden Pond was nominated. Yeah, that, that, that's the raging... Also, that's... also nominated, that still people remember, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. <laughs> was... so. Chariots of Fire. You know, it, was, it, was, it was a movie. Was it Reds? Yeah. Is Reds the other one? Reds and Atlantic City. Atlantic City, that's the, um, who directed that? That's the, um, Lee uh, Who did Atlantic City? Uh, that's going to bug me. Burt yeah. Lancaster and Susan Sarandon. Yeah, who directed it, though? That's, uh... Louis Mal. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. What a year. Jerry is a fire. All right, next. What are we talking about? Oh, grandparents. Okay, what's next? Grandparents. Yes. Yeah. What are some great stories that place characters unwittingly in the center of society struggles? Uh, Ruben writes, "Pan's Labyrinth." A great answer. <laughs> Ruben's, Ruben's on the ball this week, guys. I know. I, I oh, when he told me that, I'm like, you should not have written that because then I could have said it. <laughs> <laughs> Great move, great stories that place characters unwittingly in the center of society struggles. Uh, the Matrix. You know, this is <laughs> the, ma- a, no, the, Matrix. the Matrix is yeah, a good answer. Matrix. I like that. Mark, I'm sorry. The, the, uh, the French war drama Forbidden Games about uh, children in 1940 caught in the Battle of France. I have not seen that film, but okay. You've never seen Forbidden Games? No. Oh, look it up. I, w- I want to. It sounds great. It's a, it's a great, great film. I, I'm, I'm adding that to my list. King, King Rich, King Ralph. <laughs> um, let's see. Many Godzilla movies. How about that? That puts a lot of characters in harm's way. Uh, it's, it's society struggles. <laughs> I'm looking up for rated games right now because I don't want to forget it. That's the wrong one. Uh, I'll find it, though. Okay. Last question here. What are some great films that focus on being forced to uphold tradition? Chris writes, The Godfather and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. (laughs) Uh, Those are certainly applicable answers. Great films that focus on being forced to uphold tradition. Well, I mean, in the movie Coco... Miguel wants to be a musician, but he the, his family wants him to be in the shoemaking business. Uh huh. That's a good answer. Oh, okay. What movie is this? Father wants his son to sing traditional songs at the synagogue, but his son Jackie wants to sing jazz. What am I not thinking of right now? <laughs> okay, so this is a very very old movie. Like the first sound movie. Oh, was it the jazz singer? The jazz singer, yes. Okay. <laughs> I think you're going that far back, but okay. <laughs> really far back. That was gonna be my guess. Uh, that was gonna be my choice for this this category. You have any more, Marcus? You have any, anything you want to add? Um, uh, 
to be honest, I'm really infatuated with King Ralph right now. So <laughs> I, I'm just. Eh. That's your next comment. Did you know? Did you know that it was a novel? It was adapted from a novel. A fucking course called it was. Headlong. <laughs> no. We got the rights to <laughs> Headlong. <laughs> we did it, guys. Get Goodman on the phone. He'd be perfect for this. All right, that was out now. Feedback. 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 And sadly, that's going to bring all this fun to an end because that's going to end this episode of Out and Out There and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeke.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I also write for League of Entertainment for my movie reviews you can find, as well as wisoblue.com for my Blu-ray and Criterion reviews. I'm on a Variety occasionally, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. I'll also shout out real quick a uh, friend of the show, Jay Cluett. He hosts the Deep Blue Sea podcast, and I recently guested on that show once again to talk about a Deep Blue Sea-adjacent film, 12 Rounds, from director Rennie Harlan, director of Deep Blue Sea. That is a John Cena movie that exists, and we talked about it, and it was a lot of fun. That should be coming soon. Uh, Mark Hoban, where can people find more of your work online? You can uh, follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban, and you can also follow my uh, personal blog, uh, FastFilmReviews.com. Marcus Robinson, where can people find more of you? Uh, Movies Marcus on Twitter and MoviesMarcus.com, Movies Marcus one on Instagram, and um, yeah, that's yeah. All Just right. type my name in, you can find me. <laughs> You'll find him. <laughs> uh, you can find all the other episodes about now Fair Name on iTunes, AudioBoom, Spotify, and Stitcher. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast, and instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. Marcus, Mark, thank you both for joining me this evening. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Glad to have you guys on as always. We'll have Abe back next week, of course, because next week we're talking, that's right, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, that's the plan. And, who are you uh, gonna call? Exactly. Who, indeed? <laughs> apparently, 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 the sexiest man alive, Paul Rudd. Uh, but that is gonna do it for this week's episode. Until next time, so long. Peace.